With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are previewing the upcoming opponent for the Kansas Jayhawks. It is homecoming week, um, a game that is looking to be a lot more competitive than we thought maybe coming into the year. But coming for homecoming is the Iowa State Cyclones. And of course, to help me preview them, the one and only Levi Stevenson of Wide Right Natty Light. He's the guy that always comes on for Iowa State because it's such a fun time. Levi, how you doing today? Oh, not too bad. Been a little under the way the last couple of days, and I'm trucking through. Yeah, that's usually the way it works. This time of year, you know, starts starts to get colder. Everybody starts to get sick. So I completely yeah, understand I there's that. A, there's been a bug going around. I think my mom and dad were sick earlier this week too. <laughs> Yuck! Bug. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and jump right in because I can tell you right now, this was not the way that I expected the season to start. Um, for the Jayhawks, it's been better than I expected. And I'm imagining that um, Iowa State was probably expecting maybe to play a little bit better in their conference opener. So looking at Iowa State and kind of what you thought about coming into the year, have you learned anything or are there any troubling signs that you weren't expecting to see? Like, what do we know about this Iowa State team that we didn't know before the season started? Um, what do we know? Uh, well, <laughs> It's, that's kind of a funny question because I have been kind of saying the last week or two that I'm not sure how much we've actually learned about this team yet because they've played two bad opponents, one less bad than the other. They put Iowa, which is just a weird 
you know, you learn anything in that game. Their defense is super good. The offense is so terrible. Like, I mean, it, you don't learn anything about how you play against Iowa. And then they come out against Baylor, which we don't really know how good Baylor is. We think they're pretty good, but we don't ex- 100% know how good they are. Uh, but we do know that they're really well coached and they're a pretty complete team. Um, and what I, the main thing that I've noticed that is different from what my expectations were is the offense in its lack of willingness to throw the ball downfield. Um, they're still, you know, trying to kind of dink and dunk and move methodically up the field like they have all, like they have most of the Campbell era, which I'm not sure what, I mean, that isn't, it shouldn't surprise me. That's what they've always done, but they also had different teams with different personnel. And this team, this group of people, this quarterback and the receivers seems like they should be more aggressive. They should be throwing the ball downfield more often and stuff like that, because when they've done it, they've been really good at it. Um, they just don't for some reason. And, uh, you know, that's, that's probably been the main thing that I was, that didn't change that I, maybe that it didn't change, but I thought it would. Yeah, I think that's kind of the one thing that really jumped out to me. Like when I'm trying to evaluate this team and talk about what I think, you know, I know about them. Like I was expecting the offense to try to go downfield more. Like this reads to me, though, like it's a normal Matt Campbell team. And the main difference between this team and prior teams is that you don't have a running back that is liable to break off a 60-yard run in any minute. And you don't have a running back in like a brief hall or something like that that can wear down the opponent by just repeatedly bashing into them throughout the course of the first three quarters. And then he's free to run wherever he wants in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, Jarrell Brock's a good running back. He's just he's just not Brees or David. I mean, that's that's a... That's a really high bar to set for your running. Oh, back. right, 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 right. Calling right. David Montgomery. I mean, that's an absurdly high bar to set to have for like every running back's got to be right. No, but but I think what I'm but, saying is that but, Matt Campbell but, but yeah, teams, right, right, yeah, yeah. They I mean, they, those, I mean, those two were elite, the elite of the elite running backs, and and you could center an offense around them. And Drew Brock is a good running back. He's a very well rounded running back, but he's not a guy that you're probably going to center your offense around. Um, and that's kind of. Part of it is that is that the there is not really an explosive running game um, as much. I mean, weirdly enough, Jarrell Brock has ripped off a couple big runs this season, but to me, to me, they seem a little bit more fluky than they do seem as like a legitimate part of the offense, like they were with Brees Hall, where you could just you could you could bet your house that he that he'd bust off some, you know, a fifty plus yard run basically every game. Um, yeah, I mean, so. Iowa State has been synonymous with, you know, breakout running back for a really long time. And I think right. it's it's weird to see a Matt Campbell-style offense that is playing the same way as if they had one, but does not have a guy who currently is capable of making the same sorts of plays. I think I think the prevailing thought is that Cartavius Norton could be that guy. Um, now, and keep in mind, too, that in the 2019 season, which was Brace Hall's first season at Iowa State, he didn't, re- he didn't get his debut to West Virginia, which is about halfway through the season, and then he became Brace Hall. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's worth noting, um, that he was, he was you know, halfway into his true freshman season before he broke out. Um, and Cartivas Norton has been hurt a couple of games too. So he hasn't gotten a lot of snaps and stuff like that. But the general thought is that if there's a, if there's a candidate to really, truly be a breakout in next elite dude, Cartivas Norton's probably the guy. Um, I don't know if that's this game. I, I have no idea. Um, it could be, um, but the offensive line is going to have to be more consistent run blocking. And they have to take pressure off the middle of the field by throwing the ball downfield. Right now, they're the way they run their offense is letting opponents stack the box, and that's just putting it's putting Jarrell Brock and Eli Sanders and Deion Silas and Cartavius Norton all at a huge disadvantage. 
they talked about at the beginning of the season that they, you know, they have a super talented running back room, which they do. They have a very deep, deep running back room. If any of those four other guys started the game, nobody would have any qualms with it. Everyone's totally comfortable with any of those four guys having the ball. But they're put but they're they're running the offense in a way that doesn't really set them up for success very well. That's deeply annoying. Yeah, and so I I think it's perfect to kind of transition to what the offense is doing then at this point because, you know, I I mean I, I look at what Hunter Deckers has done and it's He's definitely not as comfortable in this offense as a guy like Brock Purdy was, which it's kind of hard to that's be. It's an offense right. designed around Brock. Purdy. Right, exactly. Right, yeah. Like that's it's not, yeah. It's not. It's not a not an offense designed for for Hunter Deckers, which is stupid because it should be. He's your quarterback, and he's probably the most talented quarterback this university has ever seen. So you should you should tailor your offense to Hunter Deckers. Just yeah. So perfect example. Like look at his look at look at in twenty eighteen. Kyle Kemp is going to be this going to be the starter because everyone was really high on Kyle Kemp after the 2017 season and rightfully so he's very good game manager type but very 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 solid you could build an offense around Kyle Kemp. Kyle Kemp goes goes down in the Iowa game gets hurt really early on. Zeb Nolan kind of treads water for a couple games, um, and then all of a sudden Brock Purdy takes over against Oklahoma State and becomes Brock Purdy has one of what still may be one of his best games he ever had was the first one or whatever which. That's not to take anything away from the rest of it. That was hugely outstanding that game. And <laughs> part of it was they, the the game plan for Brock Purdy and the game plan for Kyle Kempton for Zeb Nolan is totally different. They 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 changed the offense entirely to suit Brock Purdy. And it, and it worked. He was successful with it. He made a very, very, he made the best Iowa State career ever out of it. You cannot, like Hunter Deckers is not the same quarterback as Brock Purdy. <laughs> and you got to, you got to change your offense to suit your personnel, and they have not done that. I don't know if that's you know how much of that falls on Tom Manning versus Matt Campbell. I would assume you know the offensive scheme is in the end is is Tom Manning's responsibility. Um, and if you were in our Discord all this week, you could yes, send some yeah. notable, notable discontent with with Tom. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I noticed very easily. <laughs> yeah. Not super happy with him up to this point. Um, and that, to be honest, that's not necessarily a new thing. Um, but. Right now, that's that's where it's at. This this offense has a ton of talent. If they like, and we saw it, we saw it um, against Baylor, uh, the, the end of the, the drive at the end of the first half. They pushed the ball down field and, went and they hit they hit um, Dimitri Stanley with the twenty five yard post route. He was wide open, burnt, just burnt that second the guy in the secondary. He had no shot or whatever. Wide open, perfect throw, perfect play. And from there until like midway through the fourth quarter, Tom Manning said, "You know what? We're good. We don't need to throw the ball down the field. Yeah, we're good." whatever you know, spoiler alert they weren't um and you know then as soon as and this has been a th- thing that's shown up the last few years is you know as soon as we're panicked and we're running two-minute drill we're pushing the ball down all of a sudden we turn into 2014 tcu and nobody has a chance of, no one can stop us but that's only when we're urgent we're down fucking three scores and and now all oh, we now now we got to come back so now we got to throw the ball downfield and we're really good at it every time like i like for, it like never fails that when i would say goes into a two-minute drill they're really good like for for whatever, like why can't we just run with tempo? Why like what's what is wrong? I like I know that Matt Campbell loves to play a ball control offense. I, I know that, and I get that because I would say almost always like dominates time of possession. This this last week they didn't. Baylor dominated time of possession, but for the most part, I would say tends to win time of possession. Now the analytics nerds will tell you that doesn't matter. Yeah, well you know it's kind of it, to me it's six and one and a half times the other. You can say well it doesn't matter because you got to score. It's like well but as you know. 
you scoring and them not scoring are basically the same thing. Right. Uh, it has the effect, if, if you can control time of possession, you have the effect of, of dictating the number of possessions. And so if exactly, you're a team that exactly, likes to score exactly. a lot, then you you want to not necessarily, you know, control time of possession because you want to score exactly. quickly. You want more possessions. Just yeah. like, I mean, it works just the same way in basketball. For a long time under Fred Hoiberg, I would say just cranked out possessions. Yeah. Like, they were they were still efficient, but they weren't, like, number one in the country efficient, but they had just tons of opportunities, and that's why they scored 90 points a game. Yeah. Whatever. Football's the same. And t- 2014, TCU and Baylor were that way. You know, Oklahoma was that way under Lincoln Riley and in the end of Bob Stoops era, where they were just they were just trying to crank out as many possessions as you could or whatever. And that's part of it. So, like, I under- but I understand the ball control offense. I get it. But if your personnel does not dictate that you should run a ball control offense, then you don't run a ball control offense. You don't do it. That's dumb. That's that's very that's very stupid. It's short. It's really short sighted yeah. and it's very stubborn. And that pisses me off. And that pisses every other Iowa State fan off because none of us played college football. Like okay, like point zero two percent of us played college football. But all of us can see this offense is built for Brock Purdy, not Hunter Deckers. Right. And if and if eighty thousand fans can see that on TV, you know whatever, you know if sixty thousand fans in the stadium plus however many on TV can see. This offense is kind of dumb. It doesn't make any sense because it doesn't fit the personnel at all. That should be a red flag. It should be. And it and it's annoying as shit. Because this is this is the, the recruiting is, has ramped up the last year. I would say it has more raw talent on the roster than they've ever had. The athleticism is very good. They finally have a they finally have Big Twelve athleticism from top to bottom. Like there isn't like it wasn't like the old Paul Rhodes teams where you had like you had like, you know, 90% of your starters were probably Big 12 players, and the rest of them were just just like FCS players that just got a scholarship offer. Or like, you know, Kansas the last 10 yeah. years. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to like <laughs> right. No, I mean, I mean, but that's fair. Like, that's that's oh, really yeah, been the big difference. Cheers, but yeah, but yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, that's like, well, but that's been the big difference. Guys, like, they're not, they're yeah. not Big 12 players. Like, they're, they may be G5 guys at the best or whatever. And that, like, that's what it used to be. Now it's not. Like, I would say there's very good talent from top to bottom or whatever, but they're just not using it. <laughs> And I do not understand why, because like if you if, if I was state if the if I was state's offense was playing at top caliber or whatever, I mean like looking at this weekend, I would say it's got a lot more raw talent on the roster than Kansas. Now Kansas is is playing extremely well. Jalen Daniels is great. I you know a few years ago when he got his first snaps against Iowa State or whatever, yep. I watched him. I was like, you know what? He's raw. He makes some weird decisions sometimes, but the kid's electric. Like the kid, like the kid can play or whatever. And I, and yeah. I was like this. I, I, and I mean, I think I said that we were sitting in a game watch in Des Moines at Buzzer Billy's. And I said, and I looked and I said, I, I can't remember who was next to me, maybe Matias. And I said, this kid, Jalen Daniel kid, Daniel's kid's pretty good. Like, a, he's kind of fun to watch or whatever. And here we are a few years later and he's playing really well. Yep. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I just, <laughs> it's really frustrating because I think, I think, I think Iowa State talent wise, and if, and if they were playing at their top peak, I think should be a 10 point favorite this weekend. But they're not. It's Kansas is playing really well. Iowa State's playing like dog shit or whatever. But yeah, so I mean, it, I, think, I think Iowa State's a three and a half point favorite if I saw it. Right. Yes, that, right now the line is three and a half. It, it opened at three and a half. It's been hovering back and forth between I four and I three. I wouldn't blame anybody and, for putting money on Kansas at this no, point. No, yeah, it's playing. I wouldn't blame anybody for putting money on Kansas. I think if both teams play, if both teams play well, I think Iowa State probably has the talent advantage and if, maybe, maybe some athletic, athleticism advantage in certain spots. Like Kansas doesn't have a Xavier Hutchinson. They have Jalen Daniels where he's really good, but they don't have like a, they don't have a Xavier Hutchinson or whatever, where you can, if you need a catch for anything, 
Yeah, I mean, they they have a few guys that are that are approaching that level, but they're not quite as polished as Hutchison it's, is. Yeah, at this see, point. It's, yeah. it's tough, though, cause, yeah, because because Xavier Hutchinson's one where you can dial him up for any route anywhere on the field against yeah. anybody, and he's going to get open. He just is. Yeah, just, Grimm is turning into that kind of player for Kansas, and he has a nice rapport with with uh, Daniels. But I do agree. Hutchinson is by far, I think, the best receiver a, that's going to be on the field just because of oh, what he's yeah. done and, and how he's been able to do it for so long. Yeah, I mean, right now he's playing. The, he's been the best receiver in the Big 12 this season so far and arguably was last year. I mean, I yep. know a lot of people really like Xavier Worthy, but I— I'd take. I would take personally. I'd take Xavier Hutchinson over Xavier Worthy, but that's. I mean, I'm obviously biased. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but that's okay. So, so I, I guess coming into this game, then, you know, it, it sounds like the issues with the offense is more of a mismatch of talent versus scheme as opposed to. So, so I guess if you're really, if you're really looking um, for, I'm just trying to think. Like, if what would that kind of I guess best option look like like what do they need to be doing differently what kind of talent is there that would allow Iowa State to run a scheme to to be as effective as possible well, like I said Xavier Hutchinson he's the best receiver I would argue he's the best receiver in the conference and he's genuinely one of the best in college football um, and you, it starts with him you've got Jalen Knoll who's a really good he's a Kansas City guy uh, really really good slot receiver um, you know he, they put him in bubble screens and they do all sorts of stuff with him all over the field um, and then Demetri Stanley's behind him. Demetri, he's he's young. He's he's stro- or not young. He's a be- he's a veteran uh, grad transfer from Colorado. He he struggled at times during the season, but he has a ton of speed. Like he's probably the Iowa State's fastest receiver in a straight line. Um, so they'll send him on nine routes, post routes, stuff like that. Um, and that's that's your guy that you can take the top off defense with. Um, and they did it at the end of the first half against Baylor, and then they just decided to never go back to it. And it blows my mind. I have no idea why they just decided that that was good enough and then, you know, never need to try him deep again. Even though Baylor's secondary was clearly outmatched, they weren't like there were, obviously receivers were getting open all the time, whatever. If, if it was 15 yards down the field, they were open and they just never, never kept with it. Yeah. So, so I mean, so, so looking at, cause like I'm noticing that in the, in the Baylor game, that Baylor got four sacks. So has, has offensive line been an issue? I know that Kansas has been rotating in so many different guys that they're able to get pressure, especially as the game goes on, you know, as they're rotating in so many guys, they're not really that tired at the end of the game. Kansas has done most of its damage defensively at the end of a game where they've gotten big stops because the other team is just worn down. How worried are you about this offensive line for Iowa state and their ability to hold up throughout an entire game? Um, at times they've been good at times. They've been bad. Now it's worth noting that they've played two phenomenal defensive lines in Baylor and Iowa, easily the two best lines in the, in, in, on the schedule, not no, no offense to Kansas, but both of those, those, both those defensive lines are outstanding. Um, and they held and they kind of held their own for the, you know, for the most, they, they did pretty well against Iowa Baylor. They struggle with Ika in the middle. Um, but offensive line is something that Iowa State fans are always worried about because it's always been shaky. You know, sometimes Fair. it's been really good, and sometimes it hasn't been good again under Matt Campbell and stuff like that. Like it's just it's it's always a point of consistency. I'm like I'm not necessarily more worried about it than I would be another week, but I I mean I just always am worried about it because it's just that's just something that Iowa State fans are always worried about is the offensive line because it just seems like we haven't yeah that makes sense since 
Yeah, I, I, I do think I do think Kansas probably presents a, a more unique challenge, at least defensive line wise, because most teams like definitely the top talent that Kansas has is not as good as some of the other ones that you're going to see in, in the Big 12 this year. But Kansas can legitimately go nine or ten deep in their off in, in their defensive line rotations. And they do it with such con- consistency and regularity that you're not. You know, you don't have a guy that's in there for 75% of the snaps. You have three guys that are in there for roughly a third of the snaps, and they're all roughly the same level. So I know that Kansas has has had a lot of success later in games as offensive linemen have to try to figure out how to handle, you know, the much fresher legs than they have. I, I do think that Kansas is probably unique in the in the Big 12 in that they are, they are a lot deeper, I think, at that position than anybody else, and they use that depth as much as they possibly can. That's probably the best thing they have going for them, though. I think I mean I think it's pretty common for most teams to run fifty fifty defensive lines like at least two two equal whatever right two, right whatever you want to call them or groups. Um, if you're running true three three equal groups, my it, yeah it keeps the keeps the legs fresh. My I guess my concern if, is if like is developing rhythm in the game. Maybe uh, maybe that hasn't been an issue, but um, either way, I mean I just think. Yeah, well, I, I think I, mean, I think part of it is Kansas' scheme too much. And, well, yeah, it's like it's like I mean I don't I don't see him in practice or anything like. That. No, no, but I think part of it too, and why it's as, as successful as it is, is because it's not like it's not like hockey lineup changes, right? Where you like sub out an entire defensive line. You have guys rotating in and out, coming in for different plays, doing a bunch of different stuff. Um, I you know I just it was it was well, and that, amazing it, to it, notice it, that Kansas played twenty five defensive players in the game against Houston when they that's, just that's been kind of a John Haycock staple for a long time. It's playing 25 26 whatever guys on defense or whatever so like that's that's i i should say that's a state that's kind of standard operating procedure for 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 john haycock's defense for the most part i don't i mean i don't know about everybody else's defense. yeah it's it's definitely weird because i know that there's a bunch of other people are like wow they they played that many people (laughs) and and it's like i mean it's different between i know know baylor also does it but because that's just they count they copied iowa state's defense um or whatever so you know they kind of copied the whole program to be honest but um I mean, the 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 numerous defensive substitutions, I guess, isn't like an odd thing for us. If that makes fair, you know, it, fair. so it's yeah. But I mean, it's worth noting though, because if you if you feel like if you feel good two three deep at every position and you can play them, and it does help keep legs fresher, it helps get helps young guys get snaps, things like that. I mean, it's it's all it's all helpful to be able to play more guys. Yeah, and and that's I think where Kansas has benefited the most is getting it to where they're two and three deep are roughly equivalent in terms of the the, the talent that they have because yeah, they had oars all right. over the two deep for a long time starters so. yeah it's not it's yeah. not a steep drop off from starters to backups and that's that's really that's the that's the thing that happens first if you if you suck for a long time and then you get better that's the first thing that happens is you notice that the the quality of the depth goes up your where your backups are not a steep right. drop off from the starters that's what happened at Iowa State around probably twenty. 17 2018 yeah. where the backups are all of a sudden quite a bit better than they used to be and they're and they're much closer to the starters yeah in overall quality yeah for sure and speaking of being very close in overall quality across the entire board that is what you get when you go and get anything from sponsor here on the podcast home field apparel home field apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere t-shirts sweaters hoodies joggers a whole bunch more and all of it is absolutely fantastic super comfortable absolutely ridiculously great logos um you know head on over to homefieldapparel.com and you can find all the great things that they have we're actually doing something special for us here on the 1012 podcast network this week and this week only you only have a few more days to actually go ahead and take advantage of this but if you go over there 
Use promo code 1012week. There is a collection of 10 different shirts for all of the teams, like one for each of the teams that is currently in the Big 12 that you can get 15% off regardless of whether you've ordered from Homefield Apparel or not before. Normally, the promo codes are only off your first order. This is 15% off any of those 10 shirts, no matter whether you've ordered before or not. So promo code 1012week, that's T-E-N-1-2-week, uh, over at homefieldapparel.com. You can find the link to the collection. There's a bunch of different tweets going out from all the 1012 podcast networks. Um, but I'll also go ahead and include a, a link here in the show notes. But definitely make sure you go and check it out. This is a huge opportunity for us here on the network, a huge opportunity for you to go ahead and get a fantastic shirt for your school or any of the other Big 12 schools at a really nice discount. But uh, all right, so um, I do want to go ahead and switch over, kind of look at Iowa State's defense a little bit more. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott Holm Podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar Sports Podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dorks so thank you and go Cougs and we're back I'm here with Levi Stevenson of Wide Right Natty Light we are previewing the Iowa State Cyclones for this weekend's game uh, for the homecoming week Levi we, we already talked about the offense and obviously there's some some issues some worries maybe schematically there about how Iowa State's doing that but defensively I I don't know what to think about this defense because to be completely fair, I had questions about Baylor's offense coming into the game because of some of the performances shaping put together. And it seemed like the Iowa state defense held up fairly well, especially in the second half. Once they had, you know, um, kind of recovered somewhat from the frailer ejection, which was complete BS by the way. Um, Yeah. I, I, I know, I know that, you know, we've already talked about this before, but you know, it's kind of hard, I think, to worry too much about that p- particular performance as well, because, you know, you did lose such a big piece of that defense early in the game and Baylor took advantage pretty quickly. So looking at this defense as a whole, though, like what are the feelings surrounding this defense? Have they done the sort of things that you're expecting them to do this year or are, there, are they still kind of unproven among Iowa State fans as well? For the most part, I think most people still feel pretty good, pretty decent about this defense. It's statistically they've been very good. They've been one of the like. You look at different different metrics and stuff like that. They're probably they've played like a top ten defense in the country so far. Um, you know how much weight you put in that? I don't know, but um, they've played pretty well so far. Now last week they kind of got put in a tough position because the offense wasn't doing anything for them. They were just they were just on the field a lot. That's that's hard. Um, there's a couple of spots that have been way better than expected, and a couple of spots that are a little bit a little bit shaky. Um, corners have been way better than I expected. I mean. I I knew the ceiling was going to be pretty high. The the potential for them to be very good was 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 high. Um, but they've been they've been very good so far. Miles Purchase and TJ Tampa have been very very good so far this season. Uh, extremely happy with them. Both of them have done a great job in run support. They haven't I haven't really seen any blown coverages from either of them. Um, I think they did have done a really nice job. Um, Anthony Johnson has done an ex- excellent job at safety, and I knew he would. Uh, he's been phenomenal at safety so far. 
Uh, the guy that's played really well so far and play had an excellent game last week was Malik Verdon back at one of the other safeties. He, you know, we were doing the film room the other night or whatever. And I was just raving right. about Malik Verdon the whole time. Cause the dude, dude was just making plays coming up. He was playing the run perfectly. Can't play, had nice pass coverage, did everything he could ask for from a safety. Um, but at times the linebackers, mm, a little shaky. Orion Vance generally pretty good, but he's kind of a he's a he's like a two hundred sixty pound linebacker. They use him almost as just like a fourth a fourth stand up rusher basically. Gary Vaughn has struggled. He struggled, uh, and Colby Reader did too last week. Both of them had um, they both were taking uh, some pretty bad pursuit angles to ball carriers and things like that. Colby Reader up to this point in the season had been very good, uh, but he got he got kind of picked on last week and and got exposed a little bit. Um, defensive line I think has been okay. Um, I don't think the I don't think they've done Will McDonald any favors so far because he's basically I mean he's getting double and triple teamed every single play. It's amazing that he's got oh, yeah. no sack so far. I mean he's been they've been they now credit to him his gravity has forced the offensive line to get they've had to dedicate half the line to him every single play just stopping him, um, which in theory should lead you know loosen it up for other pass rushers, but they have not gotten not gotten in there. Um, I would like to see them move to some more four down stuff this week. I don't know if they're gonna, um, just based on, I mean, just based on the lack of willingness to change the base scheme, they might make it, they'll make adjustments throughout a game, but offense and defense, both, they kind of, they, they like their base scheme and then they just adjust from there type of thing. Um, um, but I, I, I would like them to go to more four down because they need to free up. They need to get Will McDonald on one-on-one because they're, there's so few people. There's precious few people in this country that can block Will McDonald by themselves. And if Iowa State is able to get Will McDonald one-on-one situations, Jalen Daniels could have a long day. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that, but I think they should. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess right I'm... Because right now, Kansas is a run-heavy team, and, and Jalen Daniels is, a, is an excellent runner of the football, and he's still... He's, growing as a passer he's not bad but he's he's still he's still growing um and there's some spots where if you force him into pressure and and then i think you can you can maybe force a mistake out of him or something like that because uh, for whatever reason iowa state has their defense has been more ball hawking this season than they typically are they're never they're still never not really a a turnover hungry team like an iowa is or something right. like that but they've been generating more turnovers this season than they typically have um so if you can get will mcdonald free and put Jalen Daniels on his butt a couple times and maybe, or maybe he kind of gets panicky one time and forces a throw that's extra possessions for Iowa state. And that's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that will be one of the things that I'm the most interested in, right. To see how well J- Jalen Daniels take care of the ball. Cause he, he only has one turnover on the season and it was a, a self-described forcing a ball at the end of the Tennessee tech game where, you know, he had three defenders there. He wanted to see if he could fit into a window. It was a really bad pass for him to throw, but that's the only interception he's thrown. And that's really one of the only ones that has, he has even come close. Um, so I think he's been really good about taking care of the ball. I guess there's a little bit of misunderstanding about how Kansas plays running wise, right? Because they use a lot of misdirection. They use a lot of like tight ends as lead blockers, a lot of additional stuff. And I think that's the thing that gets undersold about what Kansas does offensively is that they are not just a, you know, hand it off to your running back and let them go. They are very much a lots of zone blocking, lots of pulling guards, lots of doing a bunch of different stuff to get guys out on the edge with blockers in front of them, which is not something that Kansas has done really well. But Jared Casey, especially like everybody knows him because of his catch against Texas. But, you know, he he's still pretty good with receptions, but 
the biggest thing he's brought to this team is the ability to block. If you look at a lot of the big runs that Kansas has had, he's usually the lead blocker that's out there blocking on the edges for people. So I will be interested to see how Iowa State's able to handle that. Be interested to kind of see how they'll attack that because, you know, you talk about the film room that we were both in on and like the thing that I noticed is that it seemed like there was quite a few plays where especially the linebackers, you know, in the outer defensive linemen would take the wrong step initially. And a lot of times they were able to recover, but they weren't necessarily able to. Kansas has punished a lot of teams this year where, you know, they don't make that right first step. And then there's too many guys out there blocking. So I guess my question is, how does Iowa State handle something like that? Do they have a way to adjust their scheme to be able to try to take that sort of stuff away? Well, the nice thing about that is that Iowa State has already played Baylor, which is a wide zone running team, and and Iowa is a running is, an, is a zone running football team. Um, they handled both of them pretty well, and they handled B- Baylor really well last year too. Um, in the run game, there were yeah, there was, were some missteps last week, or whatever. But for the most part, the 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 defense is designed to spill runs to the outside where the safeties and corners can take care of can take care uh, of of the of the running back in the running game. Um, and I thought the safeties did did that really well. Anthony Johnson and Malik Verdon both had very good games and run support. Um, so, probably, I mean, Kansas probably still gets some yard, gets some decent yardage and stuff like that, just because of personnel. And you know, in the end, perfect offense beats perfect defense. Um, but I, you know, for the most part, I would say it's, defense has always been very good at stopping the run, um, just because they, you know, in the wide zone. If if done right, the wide zone attacks defenses, attacks that attacks Iowa State's defense kind of in, in some key pressure points. Um, but if the offensive line is a little bit off or something like that, or someone hits a wrong gap or or the running back's impatient, um, that can it can end in in no gain or TFLs pretty quick. Right. Um, so it, it requires for the wide zone to really punish the three three stack that Iowa State runs, for it to really truly punish it how it can. Kansas has to be like perfect. They got to be really, really good. They got, I mean, they've got to hit their spots. They've, you know, the alignment, the alignment have to be exactly where they got to be. The running backs got to be really patient, things like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, it'd be good. It'd be, it'd be a, it's a battle of who can execute better. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's really Obviously what it defense is. Defense and, and Kansas's offense are both well coached. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. It will be interesting because we have, you know, as as you were saying, a, a top ten caliber defense going up against a top t- you know top five, top ten caliber offense so far this year in what the Jayhawks are doing, and and I definitely think there's a lot of that that is scheme related because of the way that Andy Kotelnicki has been able to call this game or call the way that the, this offense performs. I am going to be interested, I think, and and I'll I'll have you give me what your your key to the game is, but uh, you know, just kind of based off what we talked about, I think the interesting thing to watch when you know Kansas on offense is how much do they get the Iowa State defense to over-pursue on the run and then hit with a play-action pass over the middle or something to that effect? They've done that really well for a lot of teams that are really good against the run. I'm not sure how Iowa State you know, will potentially, or will handle that, but it is definitely, I think, one of the areas where Kansas could potentially, I wouldn't say necessarily expose some weaknesses, but take advantage of the aggressiveness of the way that Iowa State plays defense and find some success, which then would open things back up as they have to dial back that pressure of on, on the running game. That's usually how Kansas has been able to be successful this year is that they hit really hard in one area because the defense tries to take away the other area and then it opens back up and they seesaw back and forth. So I'll be very interested to see, you know, Jalen Daniels has definitely gotten a rap as a running first quarterback, but you know, as he showed against Duke, he can sling it all over the field, and he he has made some pretty some pretty good throws and some pretty tight windows too. So, 
I will be very interested to kind of see what he's able to do against the first, I think, consensus good defense that they faced. I, I think that there's definitely good aspects of the other defenses that I played, including Houston's. Um, but it will be interesting to kind of see what they're able to do in this one. So I guess final question for you before we talk about predictions of, of any sort. Um, you know, what do you think is going to be that kind of that key to this this particular game? Like that key the matchup. Tom, the, key, the key is whether or not Tom Manning pulls, the, pulls his head out of his ass. If Tom Manning calls if Tom Manning calls a good game, I feel pretty good about it. Like I think I think if Iowa State's offense is humming and doing what it's supposed to and taking advantage of its playmakers, it's probably every bit as good as Kansas's. Um, but it has thus far, Tom Manning has been the parachute of all parachutes, um, and and not in a good way. The the horizontal parachute, not the not the vertical parachute. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said for having done it and having that confidence that you've seen it in action, um, as opposed to the idea of you know. You yeah, think you yeah, have we're not, it. Like, I'm not speculating. Yeah. Like, oh, can they push it? He's like, no, we we know they can. They've done. Yeah, it. You know they, they can, can, right? Right. But they absolutely can, and they have done it. Just are they gonna do it? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's I, like, true. I feel, like I feel I feel good about the Iowa State's defense to be able to hold Kansas somewhere in the twenty to thirty range, or whatever. Um, maybe under that, but probably in the 20 to 30 range is probably where Kansas is going to up. Now, the question is, is Iowa State going to end up at 20 or are they going to end up at 35? I don't know. Um, like I said, I mean, generally speaking, like, I would say it's, like, I mean, I guess everybody kind of has. I would say it's had pretty good success against Kansas recently. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> That's my key to the game is, this, is if Tom Manning is going to decide to not be a garbage offensive coordinator. That's fair. I mean, and, and honestly, there's a lot of times where that is that is what you have to have to kind of decide it. So, um, all right. So I guess, you know, final part here is uh, just kind of picking, uh, making some picks for how we think or predictions of what we think is going to happen. Uh, I'm trying to actually pull up. Uh, our new sponsor here on the podcast is uh, prizepicks.com. They do. It's the, the, le- the safe legal way to play daily fantasy. Um, the way that they they do their contests are that you pick you know anywhere from two to five players and look at the lines that they have uh, on their performances, whether it's yards or touchdowns or whatever. Um, you you pick those. You can get up to ten times the money that you put for your entry back um, paid out to you if you are successful. Um, you know they they aren't available in all states, but they are available in most states. So definitely double check before you jump in. But if you use promo code Chalk Twelve when you go sign up and make your first deposit, you can get a hundred percent a hundred percent deposit match and a quick cut in here because the lines for the kansas and iowa state players were not available when we recorded this over on prize picks but they are now so i'm going to jump in with just running through them really quick there's still time for you guys to get in there if you want to and get uh some of these lines out for you so jalen daniels passing uh 210.5 yards 1.5 touchdowns hunter decker's 275.5 yards and two touchdowns. Looking at those two lines, I do think that actually both of those players are going to go over on both of those lines for each of them, just because I think that these are two teams that like to pass a bunch. Deckers, I think, has to be successful in order to do that. Um, And in order for Iowa State to have a chance to win, he's going to have to get a bunch of yards. So rushing, Jalen Daniels, they have 65.5 yards. Daniel Hyshaw, 54.5 yards. Devin Neal, 53.5 yards. And Gerald Brock, 90.5 90.5 yards. The only one of those that I feel really good about would be Brock. Um, I just think that he is going to have a pretty good game. He is probably going to go over. Um, I do think that, you know, it, it's 
it's again something that they're going to have to have. This offense is going to have to be really good for them to keep up with what Kansas is doing. The problem with each of the other individual players for Kansas is just the fact that you don't know which guy is going to have a really good game. Those are really good lines set pretty close to what their averages are probably going to end up being. Jalen Daniels is if I'm if I'm betting on one of the Kansas players going over, it's probably Jalen Daniels just because of how much he has shown the willingness to run. Receiving yards, Jarrell Brock, 17.5 yards. Jalen Noel, 55.5 yards. Xavier Hutchinson, 99.5 yards. And Lawrence Arnold, 33.5 yards. I do think Arnold goes over probably. That just seems low to me. Um, Xavier Hutchinson probably goes over as well just because he gets one of those long passes. And again, Hunter Deckers has to throw it somewhere. I do think that Hutchinson is going to get one of the or most of the targets from there. So we will have to see. Uh, how do you think this game is going to go? I think on the, on a good, uh, if both teams are having a good day, I think Iowa State's the better team. Um, the more complete team. That said, Kansas is playing well. Iowa State's kind of playing not to lose, which they did last week. Um, I think there's a pretty 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 decent sized gap in overall talent quality whatever you want to call it between the defenses i think i would say it's defense is is is, is a tier above kansas um or maybe a couple tiers um right now kansas's offense is playing a tier or two better than iowa state's but talent wise i would say it's absolutely on par with or you they're capable of producing just like kansas is just based on talent and, and what we've seen in spurts from this, you know, when when you know, when the play calling is good. For that reason, I think Iowa State will be able to do enough to get out of this with the win. Which I can't. Which I I wouldn't have said that to be at the beginning of the season. That just getting out of getting out of Lawrence. Right, right. It would have been Iowa whatever. State will win this one comfortably, as opposed to right, they'll like, do just enough. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah. So, but if Iowa State walks out of Lawrence with a three point win, good enough. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I do think that the big difference here is just the way that Andy Kotelnicki has been able to get his offense running. And I think that that's where Kansas probably has the biggest advantage here. It's not even necessarily in, in you know, the way the offense is performing. It's because of the way that it's getting schemed and the way that they're able to read the situation and adapt to the situation. Because we've seen Kansas play their offense a bunch of different ways based off of how, um, you know, how the, the defense has been providing stuff for them. So, um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest, uh, I think, positive that Kansas has in their corner is you saw the way that they started several games and didn't play well out the gate, but they made lots of adjustments. They changed in, you know, in route the way that they were playing, which allowed them to overcome deficits. You know, they ran off a 42 to seven run against Houston. Like that kind of stuff is it's two teams that like being shitty early and then coming back late. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is definitely two teams that have gotten used to, um, you know, making changes on the fly. I guess really the question is just who's going to be able to do it better. So, all right. Um, it sounds like you're taking your team. I'm taking my team, which is exactly what I would have expected at this point, especially, you know, that tells me yep. a whole lot. Or I think that says a lot more than anything. Um, the fact that both of us can feel confident that our teams are going to be able to do enough. Um, because before, you know, I think, I think I would have been kidding myself to think that Kansas was going to be able to, uh, stay in this game against Iowa State. But now it's, it's a legitimate question. So, but Levi, if, if, uh, thank you so much for joining me. If people want to find more of your work, find more information about Iowa State, where's the best place for them to do that? Um, it's on Wide Right Natty Light. So it's at Wide RT Natty LT on Twitter. Wide at 
Um, we have a Discord server, which you can easily find. Uh, it's um, pin, it's our pinned tweet on our Twitter profile. Uh, we got YouTube channel, Twitch channel, podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, every, you know, every podcast, all that fun stuff. Now. Yeah, all that good stuff. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me, Levi. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. You can just search for Rock Chalk Podcast and subscribe so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. You can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments. would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, Contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network over on Sports Drink. Tons of great shows over there. Go to 1012network.com and you can find links to all of them covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Um, but, uh, you know, we have tons of great stuff over there. Thank you to our sponsors, uh, Homefield Apparel. Make sure you use that promo code this week, the 1012 week, to get the great deals on the shirts that we were talking about. Um, but in general, just use Chalk 12, both there and at Price Picks to get some great deals from our fantastic sponsors. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.